Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now, imagine when you opened up that book, it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and so you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Notable Podcast. These are discussions where pastors not only take seriously the biblical text, but they share what they've been underlining and highlighting, all of their notes that help them share the world's most important book and how it's transformed their hearts and how it can transform the hearts of the people you know. This is Season 5, Coming Forth as Gold, a reading of the Book of Job. You're about to hear a conversation between John and Tim Borman, twin brothers, both Christian pastors. Tim is a pastor in Queens, New York, and John is a pastor in Aiken, South Carolina. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E Podcast.com. Here's John and Tim. Timothy, there are so many, many, many reasons why I think that Christianity is the true faith and so many ways that I want to give a defense to to the world and promote our faith because it's true. I mean, I, I I could talk for a long time about how Christianity is totally unique in all the other religions in the world, how other religions all ask you to to do something to be in a right relationship with God, where Christianity, uh, in other words, to rise to God, where Christianity, God comes to us, and he saves us for free. And he comes to us in, in the incarnation instead of asking us to rise to him. And it, I mean, talk about that. Talk about, you know, how... Uh, Christianity is is just this uh, this faith that we look at the resurrection, for example, and and we can say that it's historically true. Uh, the founder of our faith is is alive, you know, and no no other religion can claim that. I mean, uh, Buddha's dead, Muhammad's dead, Jesus is not. He's he's alive and. And when we say that, that we we would claim that that is not an article of faith. That's just a historic reality. Um, the article of faith is what does Jesus' resurrection mean? I mean, so we could talk about all the different ways in which Christianity is just um, abundantly true. Uh, but today, uh, one one of the things that it, it gives Christianity so much credibility are the prayers that you find in the Bible. I mean, you can search other holy, sacred texts, or what people call holy, sacred texts, and what you'll find is that they're all sanitized. You will never find prayers like you have in the Bible in other religions. And I want to suggest a reason why. They're fake gods. And fake gods cannot take the reality of, of the tough difficult pain of human life. But in Christianity, what we find is a real God who receives our real mess. 
And it is going to be a real mess what we see today in Job. I mean, it was, this is as authentic, heartbreaking, authentic prayer, real uh, Job pounding on God's chest kind of prayer to his father that that you can maybe find in all of scripture. What Do you think that there's a prayer that's, that is a tougher lament than this one? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'll let our listeners decide. I'll tell you what, though, this is not. I don't want. I don't want our listeners to think this is uh, the only prayer like this in the Bible. There, there are many. They're all over Scripture. Um, another good example uh, is uh, Psalm eighty-eight. One of the things that's interesting about Christianity is Christians have no problem going down to a pit of darkness and. Ending a psalm. I mean, go read Psalm 88. In, in fact, I would suggest that everybody read it on Good Friday coming up. Everybody meditate on that. Um, it is just a profound, uh, profound psalm of darkness. But here we got Job 16. We're going to, let me read it and just take it in, everybody. This is, this is a prayer um, from Job, and he is just pounding on God's metaphorical chest. It's Here's what it says. Surely, God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up. This is quite a <laughs> this is quite an accusation here. And it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God, now just think about these accusations. God assails me. And tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fastens on me his piercing eyes. People open their mouths to jeer at him. They strike my cheek in scorn and unite together against me. God has turned me over to the ungodly and thrown me into the clutches of the wicked. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. I mean, think about this. Job is saying, God, you're doing target practice on me. His archers surround me. Without pity, he pierces my kidneys and spills my gall on the ground. Again and again, he bursts upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Dark shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands, this is Job's claim now, yet my hands have been free of violence and my prayer is pure. And now here comes his greatest accusation of all. Earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. Mm. That is amazing. (laughs) I mean, just go through it a little bit, Timothy. Surely, God, you have worn me out. He's talking to God. You know, he's praying to the Lord. Um, Maybe some of the things, I'll just point out some of the things um, in the scripture that you maybe can't see uh, in English. But actually right away there, Job goes about nine-tenths of the way down the road of calling God Satan. Um, Actually in the Hebrew, Job uses a word to describe God that is one letter off from the Hebrew word Satan. He describes God's work as Satan. Mm. You can I'm, hear in that the the word Satan, the, yeah, the accuser, the enemy. 
so God's, he's saying, God, you, you're looking like an enemy to me. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of, you, you, you have to spend some time meditating on this, but he actually imagines God as an apex predator. That's the metaphor when he says that God fastens on me his piercing eyes. He's, he's imagining God as a lion who's hunting him. Um, and then he moves to another metaphor and he imagines God as a he-man. God's got him by the neck with one arm, with the other arm he's punching him. Next, he imagines God as an archer <laughs> who's doing archery uh, tar- target practice, basically. Um, and even accuses him, maybe you notice that, but he accuses him of going after his most vulnerable and unprotected parts. You know, he's spilling, God's spilling his gall. He's piercing his kidneys. It's not, that's the, that's the part that's not behind his ribcage. Um, he imagines God as a mighty warrior. And that, and, and I, this is where I'd point out, Job's really ramping up his, uh, we're going to get into this, but r- he's really ramping up his lament here. See, what Job is doing there is he's actually flipping the script on God. In the Bible, uh, Job, in the Bible, the mighty warrior motif is is a promise that God is going to go to war for his people. And Job's flipping the script and he's saying, you're not going to war for your people, God. You're going to war against me. You're a mighty warrior against me. Um and he says, for no reason. You know, he makes it clean. He says, my, my hands have been free of violence. My prayers is pure. I, God, I don't deserve this. And then he gets to his most, um, I, I think the peak, what we would call the peak of his, his lament here. And he prays this. He says, earth, do not cover my blood. May my never, may my cry never be laid to rest. Now, it, you you gotta in your minds, listeners. What you gotta do is you gotta think biblically, and I would say canonically. Um, you gotta go in your mind's eye to Genesis uh, chapter four, where the Lord is um, talking about Cain and Abel, and there and there, <laughs> um, the Lord says that uh, Earth's, you, you know, Abel's blood cries to him from the earth. And basically, this is what the Lord is doing. Uh, or excuse me, what Job is doing. He, he is saying, he's, he's insinuating, God, you are coming after me like Cain went after Abel. Striking, striking. Oh, oh Job, you know. Oh, Job, what, I mean, what do you... That's authentic. It's a real prayer, Timothy. It's a real prayer. That is, that's one's, those are, those are knees on the ground, scabs all over them, and he's talking to God. Did he go too far? Did he go too far in his lament? This is a great question. You know, let me, let me preface any answer to that question in a certain way. Do you think we, and I'm talking about specifically Christians, do you, do you think that, that we typically pray honest prayers? And, and do you think the church teaches people to pray honest prayers? Now, uh, okay, to express our pain to God. I, I, let me, Timothy, let me give you my opinion. I'd love, I'd love to hear 
hear yours. Um, I, I think that the, the this biblical category of what we would call a lament, you know, sharing your pain with God, bringing it to his attention, I think it's um, largely a lost category in Christianity. I, I want to, you know, think about contemporary music for a second. How many songs take the time to express deep pain to God? How many? Um, I I actually can't think of any. <laughs> um, when's the last time you heard a, a sermon in church? I, I mean, this is for the listeners maybe more than for you, but when's the last time you heard a sermon in, in church where a pastor explained to you how to complain to God? When's the last time? Um I mean, think about that. I, I I think even pastors struggle with having a biblical category of lament. I read there's a pastor I really respect. I really love him, um, but he he didn't. He I read a blog. He was blogging about Elijah, and he was he was talking about this comment Elijah made, uh, where a widow's son had died in First Kings chapter seventeen, and Elijah prayed, "Lord my God." Have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? And the pastor went on to say that that was, that was despair. And I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, that's, there's, that's, there's, it, it's, it's light years away from despair. What that is, is lament. And actually, the, the way to tell the difference, I think this is really helpful in the Bible. Just think about this. The way to tell the difference between despair and lament is lament goes upwards, Timothy, and despair goes nowhere. See, despair yeah, stays yeah, on earth. Exactly. It goes with the thud. But when you direct it heavenward, that's actually a lament. And I, I just think... Yeah, so so lament is prayer, you know, directed to God. And, and despair is self-talk. Like, we looked at that in Jonah. Remember? Exactly. Yeah. Jonah... Jonah praise to himself it was nothing more than self-talk he was in absolute despair in the dust job here is addressing god though he's addressing god it, it, exactly all and the do, difference in the world and and do you think we have this category you know i don't th- some thoughtful commentators will say that that one of the reasons why the american church is hollowing out right now is that we actually don't we give the impression in the church it's happy sermons, it's inspiring, it's happy songs, and people who are angry and broken and grieving come to church and they think, this is not for me, this is for happy people, this is for um, this is for put-together people, this is for unbroken people, and the reality couldn't be any different. Christianity is for the broken, it's for the sinner, it's for the weak. Um Man, Timothy, I've talked a lot. I I think this is a big deal. It is a real big deal. I you know I don't know, I I don't know that I have a lot of thoughts or opinions on whether the church is doing a, a good job making room for people to lament. I there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. I I think there needs to be room for lament in the church. Um. I, I want to talk about it more on on the basis of the individual Christian, on uh, as far as like personally making room for ourselves to lament, and like we could we could criticize Job's prayer. I mean, he had to repent of something 
at the end of the book. Um, it might as well have been going too a little bit too far in this prayer. I don't know. We can we can talk about that. Did Job repent? his an, his understanding of God was certainly wrong. Yeah, and so we we can come to that. You know, I don't know that that now is the right time to to put Job in his place. We can do that later, but. I think we need to make room personally to do this. And and this is the way I think about it, right or wrong, that when we pray and lament and we're in the middle of deep suffering, we might as well be real about it. You know, like it does no good to hide our thoughts from God. He, whether we express them in prayer or not, they're there, you know, like they're there. (laughs) So Job, Job, and he the knows only about thing him. he did is he he yeah he knows about him like God knows it so the only thing Job did was verbalize it you know he um so there it is you know I guess what I'm saying is we need to be real we and 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 it does no good not being real um one one commentator put it this way um. You, it might as well be the real me talking to the real God. It, it might as well the one. It might as well be the real me talking to the real God who reveals Himself in Holy Scripture, uh, and He's revealing Himself to the real me who's very prone um, to to going too far. You know, it's. But it might as well be real. <laughs> I, we might as well I don't tell know. him where we're really at, and and lament to him. And I think this is really important. I, like you say, doing this individually, I mean, we could talk about this from a, a purely physical standpoint. When we don't grieve and we bottle it up inside, um, this is when we get ulcers. Um, sometimes psychologists will talk about how depression is really just anger. It's a low-level anger that we've bottled up inside and, and it finally snaps on us. Um, even pain, pain in our lower back. Look, this is when we don't deal with our spirituality in an honest way. It has uh, spiritual, uh, psychological, and uh, even physical consequences for us, Timothy. Well, right, and and here's the reality about suffering. This is, and we haven't said this yet, but the reality about suffering is that we're all alone in it. You know, there's a it, to a certain extent, now we're going to talk about how Jesus is in it with us, but to a certain extent, we're all alone. Think about Job. He begins chapter 16, and by the way, we're, we're talking about chapter 16 as kind of a, a good summary of, we're not going to be able to do all of Job's responses to his friends, but Job 16 is a good a good one to, to look to to understand Job's point of view on this, but he's all, all alone. His, his friends are beating him up with their words. Um, and and he's done with them, you know, and, and God, well, we just heard how he feels about God. So he, he just comes out with it. Um, we are very much alone in our suffering. Here's one American poet. Her name's Ella Wheeler Wilcox says it this way. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. Rejoice and men will seek you. Grieve and they will turn and go. They want full measure of all your pleasure, but they do not need your woe. There is room in the halls of pleasure for a large and lordly train, 
but one by one we must all file through the narrow aisles of pain. You know, that, 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 that sounds very dark. That sounds very um, difficult, but it's, it's stating the reality that grief, deep heartache, suffering, trauma, it's not inclusive. It's not an inclusive emotion. It's an isolating event. Well, it can be. I mean, I, it can be. Yeah. And to be, it, it most often is when it truly, it because you have gone through something that nobody else can really understand. And so That's you right. withdraw. You withdraw. You don't want other people to have to, to carry that. Um, you, and, and, and you think to yourself, you know what? Um, they can't understand it anyway. And so what I'm saying is, if we don't have lament, um, what do we have? What This is really important tool that God's given us and says, where our Father opens us up to prayer and says, you can pray to me, you can come to me, and the blood of Jesus he, he has made it all possible. Is this making sense to you? Yeah, totally, Timothy. I mean, I, I, I want people... I want this as a resource in my own life. I want I want everybody listening to have this as a resource um, in their lives. Uh, I mean, maybe as I was reading that scripture and explaining Job 16 a little bit, people are like, oh, that's too far. I don't know. Um, I think we can be far more authentic and honest with the Lord than we, than we, than we think. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm not so, uh, I'm really uncertain about saying, you know, condemning this prayer in any way um, or indicting it is actually because I think that the prophet Jeremiah uh, quotes it, basically. Uh, listen to what Jer- Jeremiah ends up praying this in Lamentations three twelve to 14. Let me read it and see if you can draw some parallels. Here's, here's what he, Jeremiah says about the Lord. He drew his bow and made me a target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver, I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. So there it is. You got you got lamentation there from Jeremiah. He really does uh, seem to be quoting Job. Uh, I mean, this is a very big deal. Uh, pastorally, let me just say this. Past, uh, I'd be interested to hear if you've had this experience too, Timothy. But I've had I've had people say to me, uh, Pastor, I can't pray. I cannot pray right now. Or I can't pray about this certain issue. I'm too angry. Um, and uh, to which, uh, you know, I preached a sermon about this. And and um, it was, I think people responded to it, said it was a really thought-provoking uh, and spiritually provoking sermon in a certain way. Because um, I just came out and I said to people, I said, you know, you don't want it, you're angry. You don't want to pray to God right now, and you, what you're saying is, I can't pray. But the reality is, you can. You can pray. We have Christ's righteousness. We have His blood. We're wrapped in Him. We can bring our prayers to God, and which means that we can we can bring our whole mess to Him. Um, and the reason why we don't actually think about this is, 
when we don't pray to God and, and we say, God, you told me to pray. I, you told me you're your father. I, I'm not going to do it. Actually, what you're doing is you're stonewalling him. It's like in, in any relationship, when you, when you decide I'm not going to talk to you, um, you're actually trying to hurt the other person in the relationship. Um, you're cutting off. Um, this is why I lament so powerful is, is you, are, you are holding on to that relationship. You're expressing it to God. And in, and in a certain sense, Timothy, what I'd say about it is it's your protest to him. It is lament is, let me say this about lament. It is the, mo- it is the profoundest kind of faith. Because you're saying, God, it feels like you're messing with me. It feels like you're my enemy. And I, I, at some level, when you pray that, you're, you're, you're saying, God, I don't believe this is who you actually are. I, I, I'm holding to your promises. I'm, I'm believing that you are for me and not against me. Well, it, it, yeah, and that's that's exactly right. And I just wanted to build on on your comments a little bit. When you're in a relationship, I mean, think about it this way: if you have something very bitter, very very difficult, something heavy on you, and let's say you're married and you don't talk to your wife about it, or your husband about it, what what is you know what what have, what are you doing? You're you're actually building a wall. You're building a wall um, in your second most important relationship and your first being with the Lord Jesus himself. So yeah, that there's, we need to make room for lament. Um, there's, there's good reasons to lament. Uh, I'll say this though. I'll say this, like we want to, we want to direct our lament and lament in a good way, you know, and grieve in a good way. Um, and we can we can talk about that I think without totally throwing Job under the bus. But I wonder if he would have had these things in mind that he would have lamented. He still would have lamented, but he would have lamented in a different way. Um, one of the one of the ways that we can lament and grieve well is just to ask better questions. I think it starts there. Is it? What's the What's the first question that you ask when when you get caught up short in life? Why? Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? And that you can take that to God, but you don't want to stay there. You want to begin to deepen those questions and say things like, how are you going to use this in my life to advance the gospel in and through me? Or how, how, how God... Are you going to display your great strength in my incredible weakness? You see, so you're going down the path of asking better questions, even in the middle of your lament. Um, you can you can do this. You can, as you lament, ask God for wisdom from above, and we're going to talk about that later. You know, what is what exactly is wisdom? Um, with at least wisdom is this that you can understand from a biblical perspective um the what suffering does in our lives right like so seeking wisdom from god to understand and to heal and, and, and timothy i would 
I would apply this in a lot of different ways in our lives. Here, here Job's sitting in the middle of absolute catastrophe. He's in suffering in the moment, right? And he's, he's lamenting. Mm-hmm. But I would actually say that there, there are probably some of you who are listening to this who are in it. You know, you're really in it right now. A relationship is breaking apart. Um, you, you're scared about your health. Something uh, is going wrong. Others of you uh, actually never lamented an an alcoholic dad or um, never worked through an abandonment that happened, um, an abuse, and actually expressed that to God. You buttoned it up. You thought you were okay to do that. Um, But it keeps coming back out in different ways. And lament is a tool that you can have instead of just, you know, pushing down your history, but actually bringing it to God and saying, Lord, I, I've never talked to you about this before, uh, but I'm talking to you about it now. And I'm asking you some questions about it. And I'm going to believe you, what you say in your word that you are going to make it right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're talking about seeking wisdom from above here. Like we all, we want to understand you know, we want to understand the suffering. We want it to have purpose. And that's where wisdom comes in is, is being able to interpret our lives biblically and with with our, our Lord Jesus Christ in mind. There's other things too, like as we're lamenting, you know, I got two more, um, that we would always keep our trust in God. He to be able to express the prayer saying, I do believe, but help my unbelief because I'm struggling here, you know, and just to be real, real about that, but also real about who God is. Like he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He He goes to, to cross and hell and death and all the way and back again for us. So, so to always keep those things in mind. And then finally to, um, to discover really, the beauty and brokenness. And that I think that's the hardest one, but to come to this place and say, you know what, God, I'm really broken here. I, I'm really struggling. And, and just to say, God, I'm your beautiful mess. I know you're going to make it. I know you're going to vindicate me. I know you're going to make it right again. I, and I know that you're going to work this out for me. I mean, amen. Lord, I'm yours. And give give your whole heart, your whole life, everything to him. And Timothy, I would I would take, you know, at, at the beginning of this podcast, we went through and, and Job had a lot of accusations for God. I, I hope I framed that for everybody well and, and said, I actually, they're, in a sense, Job is needling the Lord. It's a protest to get him to be who Job, in the bottom of his heart, actually believed he was. I, God, is, yeah. he, he's, he's our mighty warrior. I mean, hope, listeners, this is what lament is. Lament is, here's my complaint, God. And then at the end of it, we hope. We hope in him. Who is, who is the Lord? He's our mighty warrior. Um, he, he's the one who was, he was, he was smitten by God, afflicted by God. 
um, as Isaiah says. You know, you think about lions in life. Well, Jesus says lions surrounded him at the cross. I mean, you, you think about, okay, sometimes it really does feel and look like God is uh, Cain and we're able. Well, think about what the writer of the Hebrews said, that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than Abel's. You know, God is on the move to uh, be our mighty warrior, to be our friend, to be our advocate, to be our redeemer. And that's another podcast uh, for another day. But but people of God, people of God, we have so much hope. Uh, let's bring our laments to him. Let's hope in him. Let's pray honest prayers, prayers that feel dangerous. And let's believe that God hears them in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. Check out our other seasons to hear other people sharing their notes and highlights. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Thanks for listening.